Y'all have your Bibles turned into the book of Revelation. We'll be back here again. We'll be in Revelation chapter 19. Before we get there, who can tell me maybe just a, a broad outline of how we got to this point in Revelation? Where did we start from and kind of how did we get here? Who has a good memory? <laughs> Bobby laughed. I know he ain't going to say nothing. Yes, this will be on the test, Riley. Right. Right. I agree, and I hope I hope we're right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. So, so you could basically break it up into three parts. Bobby was right. The things that are the are things which you have seen. He's writing. John is writing about this revelation. So he says, write the things that you have seen. And then, as you move into the chapters where it's dealing with all the different churches, you remember he was giving commendations, and then he was handing out you. You need to work on this. I applaud you here. A few of them, there was no applaud at all. Matter of fact, one of them, he said, you're dead. Your church is dead. So he's handing out kind of a, not really a judgment, but he's handing out um, correction for these churches. And you remember Kevin taught that every single one of us, every church will fall into this category, but every individual will fall into this category too. So there was, there was lots of warnings there and it was a lot of self-examination to be done going through those. So those are the things which are, and then he said write down the things which are to come after this, right? And that's where we ended up into, um, you see worship break out in heaven at one point, and then, like Bobby said, 
You have uh, John who is crying and he's saying, who is worthy to open? There's a scroll, right? And th- what, what was in that scroll? What's that? Ownership. And what happens when he starts breaking the scroll? Judgments are start to be unleashed. So you see this is what they, what they refer to as the tribulation. The first three and a half years are bad. The last three and a half years are the worst it's ever been. Well, coming to chapter 9 or 19, we're on the other side of that. From chapter 18, we see Babylon has failed. Whether or not this was physical Babylon or if this was a symbolic uh, comparison of the old Babylon, Babylon is gone. Right? They had created this one world religion. And remember, they referred to this one world religion as the great prostitute. And we had talked last week, it was a great question that she had brought up. Um, what, what, how did that have to deal with, with religion? What did that have to do with the worship of God? And we look back in the Old Testament, seeing many examples of how uh, it was referred to as kind of, um, and Kirby brought out a good, good point, a, a marriage between, you see the, that Jesus is the, the husband and the, the church is the bride, right? The husband and the wife. And so what we're going to see coming to culmination here is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, on the other hand, this false religion was basically the prostitute, was the unfaithful, was the unpure, the filthy uh, thing that man had created, which Satan was behind. And so you see chapter 19 is this bridging gap. So we've... Babylon has just fell, and now we're bridging in between Babylon fallen and the thousand-year reign. And there's this rejoicing that is going on in heaven at this moment that, that this happens. And we talked about last week how there's this hallelujah chorus breaking out. And I'll just start at the beginning here. That way we can kind of catch up for those who weren't here last week. It says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of the servants. What did it just say they were praising? What were they praising Him for? Pouring out the judgment, right? We talked about last week how over the the course of the Bible, you can see many ways that God was uh, praised. Praised for His attributes, for the things that He was. uh, Him being holy. uh, Him showing mercy. There was just all these different things. And then there was... Praise for being blessed. We, we give God praises for when, when He blesses us, right? But it's a little bit different when you think about praising God for pouring out judgment. And I think what's so hard about thinking about it, you can think about it and say, all right, yeah, 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 but really think about it. And I told you last week, what, what really hit me the most about this was, I know people that are going to hell right now. I have family members that I know without a fact, if they die, 
where they will spend eternity. But yet we see praising, praising God over judgment being poured out on those very people, right? Whether it happens now or happens later, you see this is what's happening. God is cleansing the earth. And I don't think that my still carnal mind can wrap around praising God for that, but really think about it. If God has cleansed the earth, it's not just about you anymore that I'm not fighting my sin anymore. That's one thing I can praise God for. I'm not fighting this sin anymore. But it'll never get to this point again. Never. There's not going to be an accident that happens later on. The first sin that entered into the world, that wasn't outside of God's knowledge. And He says, never again. It will be just like it was supposed to be when we were created to begin with. And we will live in harmony with God. And there will be no sin. And there will be no sorrow. It's, it's hard to imagine that right now with our carnal minds because what do we experience every single day? If it ain't in your own life, it's in somebody else's life. That's the one thing me and my wife have talked about quite a bit. I don't remember crying this much before I got into church. I don't remember going to this many funerals before I got into church. I don't remember praying or anything. Well, I didn't pray at all before I got into church. That was easy, but you're, you're a part of a greater family and you see the impact of sin way more when you are part of a church. And it's not so much as paying for sin as just living in a cursed world and you know way more people and you're more involved with those people. And I'm telling you, the idea of no sin, I'll praise God all day long to know that there was... You got something? No doubt. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, and you're you're exactly right when you say they had every opportunity. I mean, how many times, like we spoke about last week, you had 144,000 basically Apostle Pauls that were evangelizing all over, right? They weren't just huddled up in a 144,000 clump, and if you got near them, they spread out all over. Now, you can see the impact just of Paul himself, right? Right. Right. Untouchable. You could not touch them. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing they had, I mean, think about all the catastrophe that was going on. There's nothing that will remind you of the curse of this world like all these things being unleashed. And this wasn't, this wasn't an earthquake and then a few days later or a few weeks later. This was one right after the other. And you notice that even, even when they were cursing back towards, they were cursing at God. They weren't cursing at the trees or the rocks, or anything that was falling on them, or they were cursing at God. So they knew where it was coming from. But yet your heart is still so hardened that all you do is blame and will not turn and repent, right? Then you had an angel flying through the sky. And I don't know how the, the angel was proclaiming the gospel, but it says there was an angel flying through the sky proclaiming the gospel. Anybody ever seen that? Would that get your attention? When a plane flies over with a message at the beach, I look up and read it. You would think that would be like, okay, giant angel in the sky. I, I, I better pay attention there, right? But they didn't. They hardened their heart even more. But you see that is that has been the story of mankind from the beginning, right? We read stories with our... Well, my wife reads the story most of the time with our children every night. And everything we have seen, and even our kids have picked up on it, here we are again. They will follow God and God will either correct them or allow something to happen in their life. Maybe they go into captivity, maybe whatever it is, and then they, they come back to God, and then what happens eventually? Nope, start going the opposite direction. And you see this through the whole entire Bible. Did they forget all those things that happened? No, they didn't. They remembered the things that had happened before, but it's this hard heart, right? It's this selfish heart. I want to be God, not Him. I don't want to, I don't want to think about Him. All right, so we see they are, chapter 19 again, they are praising God for the pouring out, for the judging of what has just happened in, in chapter 18, for the judging of the false, the false uh, religion, for this one world system that had tried to set themselves up to be God, to be greater. You see all this being poured out, right? And then we see in, in verse 3, once more they cried out. So they cried out before these praise, once more they cried out, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. 
It's basically saying she ain't coming back. The smoke is still coming up, and that's all that's going to be coming out of her is just smoke, gone for good. Verse 4, And the twenty-four elders and the, and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. So now you have angels that are praising. You have this, this Hallelujah chorus coming out of heaven. It's angels. And now the angels are telling the saints, Join in and sing with us. This is what's taking place right now. So you go into into verse 6 and it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. These are the saints joining in. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. This is an ear-piercing sound. This is almost a deafening sound, right? Rushing waters and mighty peals of thunder. I think, think about being outside. I know everybody's probably experienced this at one point. And my kids have funny stories about whenever they thought they were going to get hit by lightning. One time we were actually setting up for VBS at a church and the lightning hit right next, right next to where we were at. And I mean, it shook the whole building. There's been times when lightning, that thunder, will feel like it just shakes your inside. Now you think of this. Here is the praise of all the saints joining in with the angels, this hallelujah chorus. And it's the sound of rushing waters, which is loud, and the sound of mighty peals of thunder. It's deafening. It's the loudest thing you could probably think of. And what are they saying? Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the the Almighty reigns. The Lord Almighty reigns. The Lord who is in control of all these things. You know, what's usually the first thing that we think of when when some kind of a trial or something crazy happens in our life? We're thinking, you, you might even have some doubts. You're either thinking, Lord, what are you doing? Or Lord, are you even in control of this right now? To know that at the very end here, This is what it made me think of all the way to the very end. You see in the very beginning, in the beginning God created all these things and then you see it looks like it just went completely berserk, right? It looks like it's going completely berserk right now. And to know that God has every bit of it in His control, no matter who sits on the throne, no matter who sits on the throne here, no matter who sits on the throne in Washington, no matter who sits on the throne, even when it comes to a one world power, when it looks like everybody has control over this entire world, when man, when Satan thinks that they have, they got it, right? You know at this point, Satan had to think, I got them all. Believe in the same thing? I got them all in one place. And God does not have this. And bam, it's over. To see... God wasn't coming up with a plan on how to rearrange what Satan had done. Satan was in the plan from the beginning. And he had no idea that he was just right there in the palm of God. Go ahead and do what you think you want to do to take over everything. I've already got the end plan. Before I even made the beginning, before you were even made, I had the end plan. And this is how it was going to go. That just makes me want to praise God and put my trust in Him even more.
that no matter how I walk through my day, as long as I'm obeying Him, He has everything around me, no matter what, in control. Every hair on my head. And you see, all the way down to the very end, they're praising God. Why? Before, because the Almighty reigns. The Almighty reigns right now, but the all-powerful God reigns. And now, all of this is over. Verse 7, let us... Go ahead. Right. 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 Which says what? Every tear, every tear is saved. Every tear, every sorrow, everything, yeah. <laughs> All right, we see. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. What is happening now? For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Wedding preparations. Wedding celebrations. You think about just in the ancient times, because now we think of, you know, I, I can see where people go over the top with weddings now, but they ain't even anything compared to the way they used to be in ancient times. Now, uh, a boy and a girl meet, they might date a few years and then decide to get married. These things back then were arranged. It would look something like the parents would get together and they would arrange this marriage. And they would sign a contract kind of binding this marriage together. And then they would actually be engaged and this engagement would last for a time period and then they were to be married. Now, how does that relate now? You think about it. So they're arranged by the parents. What did God say about your name in, in, the, in the book of life? Was it written when you made a decision? Was it written when you were born? Was it written when you stand before Him and then I write your name down? When was it written? Before the foundation of the earth. This thing was arranged, right? For everyone. Not just for me, not just for you, for everyone. This thing was arranged. Almost to say like a contract, right? That can never be broken. And then you think about it, what happens after you, you would have this, this supper, this celebration, and then afterwards you would have a ceremony. Now you think about that because we're not going to chapter 21, we're not going to the new heaven and the new earth, right? 
You have a thousand year reign. It's almost like a thousand year ceremony we're having after this wedding supper before we go to our eternal home, the bride, right? So think of an, a thousand year ceremony that happens after a wedding. And you think that's far-fetched, but really is it? Because the, the arranged wedding itself was a few thousand years old, right? We've been waiting on this thing to happen. It still hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting on this point to happen. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11.2. We'll get a little bit of a picture of a wedding of the Lord to His church. Just real quick verse. It says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you. This is Paul speaking, right? I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Now, is there anything, about, anything pure about you or me? What makes us pure? Christ. All right, so we go a little bit further in, back in, in Revelation. Verse 8. Well, we'll go back to 7. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her, granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. This linen was basically the same, the same example of what they gave, like for uh, King David. Um, the, the same description of linen for the angels that you see. I think it was in fifteen six. You don't have to flip there. Fifteen six. Yes. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. Goes on to say, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. I don't have anything righteous within me, but because of Christ, we Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, right? So there, here's my righteousness. All from Christ. I will never stand before God and say anything that I did made me righteous. Anything that I did makes me worthy to be standing in front of Him at that time in heaven. Ever. It's all Christ. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I'll tell you what I think this means because I don't think it's a clear picture here. How many wives are invited to their own wedding? Then who would the guest be? Well, the bride is not invited to her own wedding, right? I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just telling you my, my, my opinion where I get out of this because I think a lot of it, a lot of it in Revelation is kind of speculation anyway. So if there's going to be guests, the guests could either be angels, the guests could be 
I would think more of the lines of like Old Testament saints, right? Those who have gone before. The bride of Christ, really, if you look at it from this point of view, when did Christ purchase the church? New Testament age, right? Everything before that was looking forward to looking forward to the promise. They didn't know it was going to be Christ. They just knew God made a promise and He said, I will save my people. They believed God and then they moved in obedience, right? That's the reason why I think it probably is. Whether it doesn't matter, nope. I don't care if I'm a guest or if I'm the bride or where I'm at, long as I'm present in the, in, you know, in the presence of God, I don't care. But I just got to thinking about that when I was studying a few days ago and I thought, you know, how many brides get invited to their own wedding? Hey, we're going to have a wedding. Oh yeah, you're the bride. You're invited, right? It doesn't really ha happen that way. It didn't happen that way back then. They knew clearly who the bride was and knew she would have to be present if there was going to be a wedding. Do they? It does make me feel better that MacArthur said that though. <laughs> It says, uh, where are we at? And then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. Now this is an angel speaking, right? I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm not going to say if I didn't see an angel at this time too and all this going on, I probably wouldn't fall. I probably didn't fell down a few times. I don't know if it had been in worship or if it had been passing out from being overwhelmed. But here we see the messenger delivering the message and John just falls down. I don't know why he fell down at this point and no other point. He falls down and starts to worship. But the angel says, you must not do that. You must not do that. He's saying, I'm a created thing too, right? I'm not in... Right. I'm, I'm not deserving of any worship. Get up. Worship God only. That's a clear message for us right now. Worship God only. Don't worship the one who brings the message. Don't put your hope in the one who brings the message. Worship God only. He says, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The... the the testimony of Jesus is what? It's the gospel, right? The testimony of Jesus. This is what you have read through the whole New Testament. This is what was prophesied through the whole Old Testament. How do I know that Jesus is the Son of God? We're studying this on, in Sunday school in our class right now. I can tell you Jesus is the Son of God all day long. How do I know? I got the testimony. I don't have just Jesus saying I'm the Messiah. I have the testimony of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, you name it. And how do I, how do I believe that? 
That's, that is the main thing. That's what it takes. But him bearing witness, I say, Paul says this. Matthew's saying this. Jesus says this. I don't just believe just to believe, just to say I believe. God uses His Word and His testimony to open my eyes, and then I believe, right? So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is the gospel message. This has led up to this whole entire thing. This is part of worship God. Don't worship any servants. I'm going to save this next part for Kevin, but I want to make sure that you don't have any questions leading up to this point. How, how did we get up to this marriage supper? Any questions about that? Any comments? Anybody want to add anything to it? Think I'm dead wrong. You can say that too. <laughs> but that really that really got me thinking on the, the guest though. Not that it makes a huge difference, but I got to get to thinking, you know, well, who would the guest be? And I thought that was pretty interesting. And now that Riley's told me John MacArthur said it, I'm going to have to go and read a little bit more. Right, and what are, are any of our deeds righteous, I guess? Not without Jesus Christ. Well, you see, when we enter into heaven, it says we will be glorified, right? At that point, we are made holy, we are made pure, we are completely without sin. We can only strive to be holy according to His Word and His power. That's the only way that we are. We can't make ourselves any holier. Right? Because we're not holy. Right. 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 Now, can, can your deeds be righteous? There's a question. Can your deeds be righteous? Outward manifestation of inward virtue. That's confusing. Okay, here, here you go right here. Go back to verse 8. Okay, this is a granting. You ain't, picking, you ain't picking this up and putting it on yourself. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. I have a reference Bible, so let's go to... It's 8. 
and D. Psalm 132.9. Let's see if this... 132.9. See what we get here. This is a reference to a priest. Let your priest be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. I have one more is Isaiah 61.10. And if we don't answer it right now, we're going to have homework when we come back. <laughs> 6110 Isaiah 61:10 says I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness 61 Isaiah 61:10 I'm sorry I'll let you get there It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Right. 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 Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And how did she make herself ready? Right. 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 Uh, Romans three twenty one. I'm. Tr I was trying to think of where it talked about this more, and it might give us a little more in depth. 
matter of fact, I think it was we walked through Romans. It, it's a piece in every three, four, and five, I believe. We're going to get a little bit of it. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's where your righteousness, righteousness comes from, through faith in Jesus Christ. It is given to us. We can never be righteous in our own, right? And that, Right. That's the great exchange, right? He took our penalty, He took on our penalty for sin in death, conquered death, and in doing that, He placed His righteousness on us. You've heard people talk about the, the scandal of grace, right? Like this big scandal that took place. Really, they only say scandal just because it doesn't make any sense. From our point of view, why would we ever give this and pay? It don't. But we are not God, number one. We don't have the love that God, the capacity for it in these bodies. We can never understand. We just praise God for it. For the gift. I don't, I don't know why He would give me the gift when I don't deserve anything but death. But because Jesus paid that death and then He placed His righteousness on me, that's the only way. It says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Right. 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 Oh, it does. Right. Right. Well, I think it would be what we have done in right. Not, nothing that we could ever do because remember our best deeds are dirty rags, right? So it's not only Christ. It's only Christ. If you go anything above that, you're adding to it. So it's only Christ. Right. 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 Um, you see a picture of what was to come. He showed, because of this sin, 
something must die to cover this up. For what you see is shame. Something must cover this up, right? And it it just got worse and worse and worse and worse as you went along until God sent His only Son. I mean, we've mentioned it many times. Right. Right. Um, chapter 4 of Romans 2 and verse 5, real quick. And to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And then another one, 5.19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's Adam. We were all born into sin because of Adam. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It's the only way because of Jesus. We're, we're born into sin because of Adam and the only way that we will ever be made righteous is by what Jesus has done. And it's only when it's imputed to us, right? Yeah, the... I think some of the biggest, I don't know how y'all are, I have to look up words multiple times and I have to look them up in the original language too even though they're I can't pronounce them because I want to know exactly what they meant and our language barrier I mean they would have like several words just for the word love they would have several words just for this some other word and whereas we have one that kind of covers a multitude our, our language is way lazier than what theirs would have been back then and so if you you take one little word there and try to make it mean, I guess, what we would say it to mean and not go back and study it as far back as you can, you could take it out of context. And I think a lot of, a lot of full religions do this. They will take in one thing out of context and then they'll create a whole thing around this one thing out of context. But I think... Is everybody clear on what that means though? The righteous deeds. We can never do anything righteous. It's only because it was granted to us by Jesus. And we see this granting of the clothes even in the marriage. But once we get to heaven, we are glorified. We are... Um, right. We're made like... It says we will be like Him. I don't think for one minute that we are going to be anything like this, right? Praise God for that right there. We can join in with like mighty roars and peals of thunder just by that, right? All right, any other questions? 13 minutes early. Y'all don't tell Kevin he'll go 13 minutes over next week. <laughs>